Once, Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw a Philistine woman. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw a Philistine woman at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among your kin, or among all our people, that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, because she pleases me. His father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord, for he was seeking a pretext to act against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So begins the famous story of Samson in the book of Judges. And in many ways, this beginning foreshadows many of the problems that Samson is going to have throughout his story. Samson is, famously, finally taken down by a woman. Not this woman from Timnah, of course, but the much more famous Delilah. And, as much as I recognize that the traditional reading of the story of Samson is that it is supposed to teach us about the duplicity and deceitfulness of women, that is not really what I mostly take away from Samson's story when I read it. The thing that strikes me as I read it is just how much Samson undervalues and underestimates the women that he meets. And we see some indications that this is where we are going in how this story begins. I mean, Samson scarcely even seems to see this woman in Timnah as a fellow human being. She seems to be more of a beautiful object that he wishes to possess. And I have to ask the question, where did Samson learn that kind of attitude? I mean, yes, I realize that Samson lived in an extremely patriarchal society, one in which women clearly counted less than men. But even in such a society, a wise man still was able to recognize the intelligence and true value that was in the women he met. But somehow... Samson never learned such wisdom. It makes you wonder where he might have learned such a foolish attitude. Well, sometimes it is key people in our lives that teach us such things. Key people like, say, our parents. What if there were some story that illustrated to us that Samson's father was foolish in precisely that way. This is Retelling the Bible. Episode 5.19 Me, Myself, and Manoa Oh, y'all, 
Yahweh, you have given me many blessings in this place. You have given me this fine piece of land in Zorah, here among the people of Dan. You have given me the wonderful blessing to be born a man and not a woman. But, Yahweh, I am lacking the one blessing that would give all of these others meaning. I have no son that I can pass this bit of land onto. Manoah took a deep breath. He prayed this same prayer every day. And when he got to this part, he always tried to dig down deep so as to be really convincing. This time he even thought that he felt uh, a few tears coming on. Oh, Yahweh, my useless wife has completely failed to give me the son that I deserve. Tell me, oh, tell me what I must do to make up for her failings. There must be some sacrifice or, or vow I can make. I am here, O oh Lord. Send me one of your messengers. Oh, I am really on a roll here. Monoa smiled to himself. Surely this time God will have to answer my plea. But at that moment, the sound of a great crash in the outer room broke Manoah's concentration, and he cried out in frustration, Who is it? Who is it that interrupts me at my devotions? he cried. Have I not told you that I should not be disturbed when I am praying to Yahweh? But then, as he looked up, he saw the face of his wife appearing in the doorway. She was flushed, excited, and apparently just couldn't wait to tell him something. Oh, my husband, you will never believe what has happened to me. A man of God came to me. You foolish woman, scoffed Manoah. Why do you interrupt me at my important prayers with such drivel? What you are saying is plainly impossible. You must think. Why would a man of God come to you? You're just a woman after all. Well, Manoa, she replied, I don't know anything about that, but I know what I saw. And what I saw was a man, and his appearance was like that of the angel of God. Most awe-inspiring. Oh, really? <laughs> the angel of God appeared to you? That's a laugh, <laughs> Manoa guffawed. And how would a woman like you even know what the angel of God looked like? Hmm. Well, husband, maybe I don't know what the angel of God looks like, though I'm not sure you do either. I did not ask him where he came from, and he did not tell me his name. But that is not the most important part. Listen to me. 
Listen to what he said to me. You shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. She continued on from there. But Manoah was not listening. Indeed, he did not hear a single word after she said, Conceive. He didn't even have to wait for her to say, Son, because he took that for granted. Surely any conception that would be important enough to be worth announcing ahead of time would not turn out to be a daughter. He whooped and cried out, Yes, I've done it. I made Yahweh answer my prayer. I knew I could do it. But wait, wait, this is serious. Any child of mine is obviously going to do great things. I am going to need to know what is to be the boy's rule of life, what he is to do. Only then can I be sure that my son is as great as he can be. I must pray again to Yahweh to send this man to me so that I can know what to do. Well, husband, placated his wife, I'm sure that you know what is best, but as I think I was just saying, that man did already tell me a lot about what should be done for the boy. He said that I should stay away from... I'm thinking here, my dear. Women shouldn't interrupt men when we're having our important thoughts. Now please, leave me in peace from your incessant chattering. I must prepare to pray to Yahweh. Yahweh, you have given me many blessings in this place. You have given me this fine piece of land in Zora, here among your people of Dan. You have given me the wonderful blessing to be born a man and not a woman. But Yahweh, I've been lacking the one blessing that would give all of these others a meaning. I have no son that I can pass this bit of land on to. Yes, yes, that is a good beginning. When you find something that works for you, you just don't mess with it, Manoa thought to himself. But now you have listened to my plea and sent an answer. Even if your messenger obviously mistakenly came to the wrong person. But I'm not going to complain. No, no, I'm willing to be gracious and just give you a chance to set things right by letting the man of God who came come to me to teach me what we are to do concerning the boy who will be born. Once again, just as Manoah was getting to the good part, and he was trying to crank up his sincerity, 
his concentration was broken by a great crash in the outer room. Husband! Husband! It was his wife, of course. It was his wife. She barged right into the room. Manoa, I was just out sitting alone in the field when the man who came to me the other day appeared to me. I know that you wanted to talk to him yourself, so I begged him to wait. Well, I got you. But he looked like he was in a hurry, so you'd better come quickly. And so Manoa sprang up straight away. All thoughts of rebuking his wife for interrupting him at his important prayers banished from his mind. The couple hurried out into the field. Manoa outstripped his wife and came to the spot where the man stood and paced impatiently. He remembered what his wife had said about the man the other day, how she had said that his appearance was most awe-inspiring. He had to grudgingly admit that, if anything, she had been understating his magnificence. You can be sure that over the years that followed, Manoa told the story of the following several minutes, many times over, to whatever audiences he could persuade to listen to him. But he always struggled to describe the man of God. He would just mumble words like shining and shimmering, wings and circles. But he knew that, strictly speaking, none of those words actually described anything that he had seen. He just didn't have words for what stood before him. But for the moment, he only had one question that he could ask. Uh, are you the man who spoke to this woman? He said, gesturing to his wife who just was coming up behind him. The man of God rolled his eyes and glanced at the woman as if to say, You have to deal with this all the time? The woman shrugged. I am said the angel of God, almost as if it weren't completely obvious. Then Manoah said, Now, when your words come true, what is to be the boy's rule of life? What is he to do? The angel sighed deeply. You brought me here to ask that? I already told your wife what was needed. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine. She is not to drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. She is to observe everything that I commanded her. I already told her everything that needs to be done so that this boy can be raised to be a Nazarite to God for his whole life long. Why didn't you just listen to her 
rather than bothering me with your silly questions. After a few moments of awkward silence, the man of God again heaved a large sigh. Well, uh, if that's all, I suppose I really ought to get going. You really have no idea how busy things can get when you're the angel of Yahweh. Why, I've got seven more infertile women to visit this afternoon alone and... Manoah interrupted with a desperate bid to keep this encounter going. Wait! He cried. Allow us to detain you and, uh, and, and prepare a kid for you. The angel of Yahweh glanced at a strange glass disc that was strapped onto his wrist with a piece of leather. If you detain me, he said, I will not eat your food. Then he looked up to see that Manoah was almost on the verge of tears. He had an infantile expression that reminded the angel of a baby that has just been deprived of its favorite toy. Uh, but, he continued, if you want to prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to Yahweh. Then Manoah said, And what is your name? So that we may honor you when your words come true. Why do you ask my name? The angel of Yahweh snapped. It is too wonderful. Manoah ran frantically back to the small pen where his goats were quietly bleating and milling about. He quickly looked around for the fat yearling that he had been saving for a sacrifice to which he'd been planning to invite all of his friends when his prayers for a son were finally answered. This would have to do by way of celebration, he figured. He quickly pulled out his knife and slit the animal's throat. Then he ran into the house to gather some fire from the hearth in one pot and some grain in another. He then grabbed a few branches from the woodpile and sped off. He couldn't have been gone for more than 30 minutes when he returned. But that did not prevent the angel from impatiently tapping his feet while the man tried to get the fire going on the top of a large, flat-topped rock that stood nearby. Eventually, the blaze began to flare, and Manoah knelt down to butcher the goat, cutting off a generous portion for Yahweh. Finally! The angel cried as the man threw the cut of meat into the heart of the fire, together with some of the grain, creating a great cloud of smoke. And as the smoke rose 
and the couple blinked their stinging eyes. Something truly remarkable happened. The angel of God just sort of became less substantial until his consistency was like the smoke itself. He then ascended up with the smoke into the heavens, leaving Manoah and his wife standing there alone beside the makeshift altar. Husband, the woman said softly, what is it? Your face is as white as a sheet, and you are trembling like a leaf in the wind. Foolish woman, stammered Manoah. Didn't you see what just happened? That was no ordinary man we were talking to. We were just face to face with a god. We are doubtlessly about to be struck down here and now. His wife giggled. She thought for a moment about saying, I told you who we were dealing with several days ago. Why are you so surprised? But she thought better of it. What was the point? He hadn't heard her say it back then, and he wouldn't listen to an I told you so now. And so she contented herself with saying, If Yahweh had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands, or shown us all these things, or now announced to us such things as these. Don't worry, husband. I think we'll live. And for once, Manoah was unwilling to tell his wife how foolish he thought she was being. Manoah and his wife did not die. And about nine months later, the local midwife took a bundled up baby boy from his exhausted mother and placed him into Manoah's arms, informing him that he was to be called Samson. Manoah looked down at his tiny little son as he stirred restlessly in his lap and he was completely captivated. Son, he whispered, you are going to do great things. I know, because I made sure an angel told me so. And I'll make sure you do great things by teaching you everything I know, especially everything that I know about women. And I'd like to think that somewhere in heavenly plains that we cannot even dreamed of, the angel of Yahweh rolled his eyes 
so hard. I have long thought that the character of Manoa in the Book of Judges is intentionally portrayed as a buffoon. He completely refuses to listen to or learn anything from his wife, despite the fact that she clearly has a better understanding of what is going on than he does. He also continually insists on inserting himself into the story when nobody seems to require or appreciate his input. And this is actually something that is quite extraordinary when you consider the social context of the Bible. These stories come, after all, out of an extremely patriarchal society, where women, and especially the opinions and thoughts of women, counted for very little. So how is it that we have this story that seems to be so ready to make fun of Manoah for his ridiculous misogyny? It suggests to me that, even if patriarchy was the mainstream in which the biblical literature flowed, there was still a significant side stream that was willing to look at the whole idea with a bit of a critical eye. That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Please subscribe so you can get the next episode in a couple of weeks. If you liked this episode, why not share it and the podcast with a friend? The theme music for the podcast is Ada. The mood music for this episode is Daily Beetle. The music is by Kevin McLeod, is licensed under the Creative Commons, and can be found at incompetech.com. You can contact me on Twitter at Retelling Bible, on the Facebook page Retelling the Bible. Show notes for this episode have been posted at retellingthebible.wordpress.com. This is Retelling the Bible, and I have been your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless.